Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us this morning as we come together and worship God through studying his word and through singing praises to him. So if you please stand with me, if you are able, we'll come together and sing. It is good to see you this morning. It is um, just a great day that we're going to come and worship, right? That's what we just sang about. We want to do that. We want to worship. We want to look into God's Word. And then we want to go out and live differently. 
Okay, that's the idea behind that, that we walk a little closer to God. We, we sharpen up, we get strengthened here, and we learn something, we go out and put it into practice. So uh, for announcements this morning, I'll refer some at the end. Okay, and when we come back about the meeting after, we had a church council meeting afterward and some other things going on. I want to say that to you. I do want to say to you, some of you guys are new and somebody asked me this this morning, and I will tell you this because I, I refer to it as I'm preaching and I'll tell you that you can find that in the notes. So if you've got a smart device, whether it's a, some kind of iPad or it's an iPhone or Android phone or whatever, you can put the Version Bible app on there, just this Holy Bible on there, and just a real quick thing to walk you through that. Somebody else will help you, but there's a way to, to hit the More button down there. You're looking for is events. You look for Menu Baptist Church on there because it tells you, it knows where you're at. And if you click on that, then all of the stuff that, that all of the lyrics for the songs we're singing are on there, and study notes are on there, the slides for the sermon are on there, all of those things are on there, plus the other announcements. I say that because, you know, maybe tomorrow you want to sing the song that we just sang, okay, in your car by yourself and belt it out. You can do that. You can find the lyrics and do that. And just, just so that you know you have that, we have that ability to do that. And you can do that online, so I encourage you to, to do that. So, I said do that too many times. My wife, told, my wife gave me that look. So, we're not going to do that anymore. <laughs> so, anyway. want to pray. And I know that you guys have things that you want to pray for. And so I want to pray with you. God wants to hear your prayers because God wants you to trust in Him. And so know that that, and I want to also, I'm going to say this now. The deacons are going to be at the door. The offering plates are there. It's not, you can give your offering, but what we did that for, if you're in-house in the service and you weren't in Sunday school, Sunday school, they just take prayer requests around the table. But here, we're not going to do that. We're not doing that. But I want your prayer requests. And so if you'll give it to one of the deacons or put it in that plate as you go out, know that on Monday when the prayer list goes out, that people throughout the church will be praying for you. Some that you don't even see because they're not here, but they're going to get that and they're going to pray. So I want to pray with you. So this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your lost friend. Okay, maybe you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus. In other words, they're not ready for Jesus to come back. And I want to pray that they would come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come before you in prayer. Lord, each of us have concerns on our hearts. Father, things that are troubling us. Father, just we want to lift them up to you. Father, we also want to stop at this moment because we've had prayer requests that we have presented to you, and you have answered. And Father, I just pray, that we, I want to give you thanks for that. And Father, I just want to pray for those people that we are unsure of, or maybe we know that they do not know you as Lord and Savior. Father, we pray that this morning, this week, Father, that they would, today might be the day that they come to trust you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with us again if you're able as you continue to sing and worship God.
Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. Oh, He has done great things. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. And I know you will do it again. For your promises, yes and amen. God, you do great things. Oh, God, you do great things. Oh, hero of you free every captive and break every chain oh god you have done great things we dance in your freedom awake and alive oh jesus our savior your name lifted high oh god you have done great things God above it all, hallelujah, God unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things, hallelujah, God above it all, hallelujah, God unshakable, hallelujah, you done great things oh hero of heaven you conquered the grave you free every captive and break every chain oh god you have done great things we dance in your freedom awake and alive Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. You have done great things. Oh, God, you do great things.
you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, the Lord is great. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and tremble.
difícil. I'm going to flip that slide there. We just finished up John. We ended with Jesus having breakfast or having coffee with the disciples and on, on a beach on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. What we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to transition out of the book of John and we're actually going to transition into the book of Acts. Okay, We're going to transition into the book of Acts and we're going to take a look at that. And so what this is, we just celebrated... 100 years, back in August, we celebrated 100 years as a church. And we talked about when we, when we began. Well, in all honesty, we all began here in the book of Acts. Because this is the history of, of the early church. Okay? It's the advance of the gospel. What happens next is kind of the thing that we look at. When, when Jesus goes away, what happens next? Acts tells us about the early church. Now, I'm going I'm to also tell you this, just so that I don't forget. In, in June, you're going to have the opportunity to go through this in the book of Acts with Louis Giglio, and Randy's going to be leading that class. So you'll get doubled down on Acts. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to do it a little bit differently than he did it. He stands in an old abandoned factory with all kinds of film stuff going on there. And uh, hopefully, we're not, hopefully we're the same, but not the same. Okay, let's put it that way. As we walk through this, as we look at the early church, we understand that. So, think about this. When you drive through a town, there's usually a plethora of churches, right? Um, um, you know, you, you walk through, there's the Christian church, the Methodist church, the Baptist church, there's First Baptist, there's Second Baptist, and sometimes you'll, you'll run across the Third Baptist, okay? And, uh, and I've never seen a fourth or a fifth, but I suspect that they're out there in some of the larger cities. When, when the book of Acts starts, there are no churches. There are no Christian churches at that point. I mean, I, I think that's amazing when I step back and look at it here. So the, the, here's the early church in a world without Christianity. That's what's going on. And in a short time, it quickly spreads. When we read John, he's like in 90, but by that time, the church is spread. Matter of fact, if you haven't already, if you don't already know the story in Acts chapter 2, we're going to see the multitudes of nations that are present. We think about missionaries being sent out. When we start the book of Acts, God brings the nations to Jerusalem, and then they go. They go. You know, it, we've watched the, the IMB videos where we, we're watching an IMB video, and they happen to be in the United States. It's like, well, how can that be? But yet they're in a town or they're at a university where people come from all over the world, just like in the second chapter of Acts. We get to teach them and share with them the gospel. They respond, and then they carry it back. And so that's how the early church planting movement actually happened that we're going to read about in the book of Acts. One of the statements that I, that I found interesting in, 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 it's, in the, it's in the study notes that I just referred to in the Bible app. 
But the thought is this. We have four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If we were to lose one of those, we'd still understand the life and ministry of Jesus. Probably lose two of them, we'd still understand it. But without Acts, we don't have, we have an incomplete picture of the early church. We'd have Paul's letters, but we wouldn't know how, how that all started. And so I think that's kind of cool. When we look in the book of Acts, we want to look at it. Now here's the other caveat, right? Because I don't want this to be a history lesson about the early church. I want this to be a lesson about the early church that is applicable to our lives. And that's really what you want. When you read the book of Acts and you see what's going on, when it talks about there were 3,000 saved, you're going, hallelujah, let's have that happen here. But we need to understand some of the things that take place in Acts and what God was doing there so that we can understand what we need to be doing. So these are the, the two questions that I want to ask as we walk through the, the, this series. Is what was God doing and what were they doing? We want to look at that. What was God doing and what were they doing? Because we need to pay attention to what they were doing because we'd like to see what God was doing happen. But part of that depends on what we do as we walk through this. So we want to look at that and ask, that, ask those questions and then act accordingly. Because when we look at the Scripture, what do we want happening? We want, we want to make tweaks in our life. We want to get better at what we're doing. We want to get better at what we're doing so that we can so that God can use us. And what we want what we don't want to do is just do what they did and leave God out of the equation. It's not us. That's why the question is what was God doing? Because in everything that we do, we need to see God at work. In our lives today, in the life of Emmanuel Baptist Church, we need to see that God is still working in our midst and still moving and transforming people in a way that you and I can't explain, nor can we take the credit. So here we're going to read the first 14 verses of Acts chapter 1. It's going to be on the screen. You can follow along in your Bible. I'm reading out of the New American Standard. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now understand this. I'll give you a little bit of background. This is, Luke wrote both Luke and Acts. Matter of fact, at one time they were a complete work and then it got separated out when they put them in the Gospels. So Luke wrote to Theophilus both the book of Luke and Acts so that we understand that. If we were doing this like a scholar, we would have did Luke and then we would have done Acts. But I came out of John and we're going to go this way. So here it is. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had been, after he, he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appeared to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? 
He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be My witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Stop here on this verse, on verse 8. This is what we call an Acts 1-8 church, right? Where we, we're ministering in our community, beyond our community, and into the ends of the earth. That's what that's about in the Acts 1-8. So let's go to verse 9. After, and after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they, they were staying, that is, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. So this is the passage that opens up. The passage, the, the Scripture continues on in chapter 1, and they choose a disciple or an apostle to replace Judas. And so they draw, they draw for that, and you can see that, and you can read about that a little bit later on. When we start out in this, what, let, let's see what happens to Jesus. In this, they're standing there. I, lo I love that picture. Why do you stand staring up at the sky? Well, I, I'm sorry. If I just watch Jesus dip, disappear in the cloud, I'm probably, I'm probably going to contemplate that for a moment. And just because that's not, that's not normal. I mean, there's a lot of not normal things going on, like him being raised from the dead. Him going up into the cloud is just beyond my, my, my imagination how that actually occurs. So a cloud received Jesus. Now, I thought this was interesting too. Over those 40 days, it says for 40 days he made himself known to them. He wanted to make sure that they knew what? He was alive. Thomas doubted. He came back and put Thomas' doubt to rest. And along the way, he's sharing with the people that he is alive. He needs that to happen. I think there mentions there's like 500 witnesses, etc. This is what we don't want is a religion based on one man's word. And so Jesus, after He rises from the grave and shows Himself to Mary and the ladies, He keeps revealing Himself over and over again so they understand without a shadow of doubt that that tomb is empty, not because they moved His body, but because He moved His body. He is risen. They need to understand that. And so Jesus takes the time to walk us through, and when we understand that, then He can go on. Then He can go on. And He tells them to wait. Right? He tells them to wait. And he, then He tells them this. John baptized with water. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's what He tells them. They should understand that. He's told them 
this already. As a matter of fact, when we read through the book of John, he's mentioned that, the comforter that will come. He's mentioned that. So this is not a new teaching. This is just expounding on our continuation of what they already knew. And then he goes on to say, because as he's going away, what have they been looking for him to do? They've been looking for him to come and establish a kingdom. And what they want him to do is establish a kingdom. They want to be part of that kingdom. They want the Roman rule thrown off. They want that kingdom. So what they ask him is, is this the time? That's what they're asking. Are you going to come? We'll wait. Are you coming back to establish the kingdom? And he, and he tells them, the time is not for you to know. And he's still, we're still waiting on the same thing they're waiting on, right? Because we know that he's coming back. Even though he's delayed thousands of years, he is still coming back. We need to understand that. And that's what they, they ask him that question. And we probably ought to ask the same question. Is the time now for you to return? Because we should look forward with anticipation to that time that, that, that He is coming back. And we've been places where we're not happy that our parents come and got us because that means the fun's over. But what we want, we want to have that attitude that we can't wait for Him to show up. The only reason that we want Him to delay is so that some of our lost friends and family can come to know Jesus and be ready for His return. Otherwise, we want Him back now. We want that trumpet to sound. Again, the clouds are in the sky today here. We want that trumpet to sound, the clouds to break forth. And that same Jesus that went up into a cloud to come bursting back forth through a cloud on a white horse. That's what we're looking for. So that's the Jesus that we, that we open up the book of Acts with. And He's gone away. So, Jesus is gone. We're looking at it from the perspective of the disciples, the apostles. Peter, James, John, those guys that were mentioned, Bartholomew, the women that were back, I think it's like 110 in that upper room. Jesus is gone, and they really don't know what's next. Think about that. They, they don't know what, what's going to happen. Now, this is an interesting time. He's told them what's going to happen. Not many days from now, you're going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Did they know what that meant? They had no clue what was coming in Acts chapter 2. We don't until we get there. I mean, you think about that. So, so he's told them, but they don't know. They don't understand that. And, and there might be some speculation. Might be some speculation about what's going on. I, I, Daniel came home this weekend, rolled in on Friday night, and the first thing he wanted to do was to can I turn on the draft and watch the draft? The NFL draft. I didn't know that they made this a spectator event now. But, it, you know, spectator event, Hollywood people showing up to, to do announcements on the picks and so forth like that. And I read a headline about a marriage up there, but I don't know, I didn't read the story. It's like, okay, that's just too far out for me. But what happens? I've been watching the news, and I, 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 I would have guessed the, the, the draft was like three weeks ago because I kept talking about it, kept talking about it. What was going on? A lot of speculation. Which team's going to pick which guy? Who's going to go first? All of that. So here the disciples are. Jesus has gone up in the clouds. He's told them the Holy Spirit's going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? You're sitting around a room and you might have some speculation with that going on. 
So you, you don't know what's going on. But I want you to think about what they did do and what Luke recorded for us. Because I think that's the key to, to what's going on here. Is it says they continually devoted themselves to prayer. They means they prayed and nothing happened. And they prayed and nothing happened. And they prayed and nothing happened. But they kept on praying. The one thing, do you, do you recognize what I didn't put up there? Do you recognize the, the, the other qualifier that was going on as they were in that upper room? They were in unity. They were one accord. The, the message says they agreed. Think about that. In the midst of wondering what's going to happen next, what that meant, what they should do, they agreed. They were in unity. They were one accord. They were one mind. I don't know how you've been following things in the news, but, but I keep reading over and over that we are a divided people, a polarized people. But we're not polarized in the church, are we? <laughs> yeah, sometimes is an understatement, okay? Because that's the, that's the thing. We got polarized by the same things and divided by the same things that was going on outside. We draw them inside. So when I look at what's going on, when, if you know what's coming next, you, wanna, you want that here. We talk, we, you know, on our prayer list is that great awakening. And I want you to know that every time an awakening happened throughout history, what preceded it? A trip to Walmart? Ordering, getting a box in from Lifeway? No, this preceded it. People got together and they prayed. They, began, they prayed so much together that the differences fell to the wayside. The polarizations fell to the wayside because they were focused on God doing something in their midst. And they weren't going to determine what God was going to do. They were just praying that God would do something. So when I look at this and we talk about the early church and we want to know what, what, what was God doing? God was preparing His people. God was bringing the nations to Jerusalem. Because on that day, God was going to unleash something. What were the people doing? What was God doing? God was setting things up. What were the people doing? The people were praying. The people were, were not figuring out what they could do. They were asking what God might do. It's, we live in a world where we try to figure out what to do. I try to figure out what to do. I mean, if we do this, what happens? If we do this, what happens? When they prayed in the manner that they were praying in unity, seeking out God's leadership in the selection of the one to replace Judas, and whatever other prayers, they, because Luke doesn't tell us exactly what they did pray, and that's the only other action that occurs 
before Acts chapter 2 happens. But we know they were praying in unity. They were praying for God to do something. Maybe it was to establish His kingdom. And what God was about to do was to establish His kingdom in the churches that were going to go forth from the day of Pentecost. The churches that were going to be planted by the people that were, that were there. And what do we talk about planting? That means they came and they heard. They heard the message that we're going to talk about in, the, in a couple of weeks. They're going to hear that. And then they went out and told people. They told people about this Jesus that they heard about. They told about what they, they did. So God was about ready to do that. And His people. You know, when we, when we first find the disciples together after the crucifixion of Jesus, they were in a room huddled together in fear. I get the sense that when they stand together in this room, in the upper room, and they're united and in prayer, continually praying, that there's not a fear anymore. They understand that their Jesus, the one whom they saw, the one whom they witnessed, they understood he would, he'd risen from the grave. He'd overcome death. He had provided the salvation that they needed and the forgiveness of sins. And if God was going to do that, He was about to do something else. They didn't understand it. They didn't tell Him what to do. They just waited for God to do something. We ask in our, in our, in, in, during the week, to have you read? And I said the follow-up that is, have you prayed? And when you look at what happens here, this ought to be one of those things that we are doing. When we pray, we simply put our trust in God. We pray and allow God to show us His direction and His way. So here are the action steps that I want to give you for this week. What are we going to do when we walk away from this? The obvious one is you're going to do what? You're going to pray. That's the obvious one. But I want to ask you this question. When, they, when, when Jesus rose up into the sky... And he went away. They didn't know what was next. But here's the question I want to ask you if you flip that slide to the action steps. Is God finished with you? And why do I ask that question? Because he told them to wait. Does that mean like wait and sit and do nothing? Or does He have something for us to do like we're going to read through the book of Acts? To carry the Gospel out there, to pray. Gnawing down the road and to, to, to work on our process of sanctification. In other words, growing closer to God. Those are the kind of things that we... Is God finished with you? No, He's not finished with you. We need to understand that. What does that mean? If not, if God's not finished with you, so the answer is obviously no. The next question is, if not, what's next? Now, how are you going to find that out? You're going to pray. Okay, that's what we need to walk through this time to pray. The last question is, will you pray for direction? We're asking that, you know, this is the, the concept. If you don't know what's next, let's not just take off and head down the road. Let's ask God to give us direction 
on where we ought to go. Those are the kind of things that when I and look at the book of Acts, we're going to get to, you know, this is that slow opening in the book of Acts. They got together and they prayed. They picked another guy. What's the big deal? But I want you to know that while it may not be exciting, it may not be light, smoke, and all that other kind of stuff, the prayer is what opened up the rest. When we read about the great awakenings and we read about the, the preachers out there preaching and people coming to know Christ, people gather, thousands of people gathering together to hear the Word of God in, in remote places. In places that you wouldn't think it's possible to get that many people together. That's what we read about when we read about the Great Awakenings. We want that. But here's the fact that if we want that, we're going to have to walk through Acts chapter 1. And we're going to have to pray. We're going to have to break down and say, God, what is next? What do you have for me? Not knowing what it might be. It might be an Acts chapter 2 moment. It might be a Great Awakening moment. It might be something else. But what we want is that God is in control of that moment. That we are like these guys seeking God out. So, Adam's going to come. We're going to sing a song. It's a song of invitation. So, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you opportunity to, to do three things. Maybe four, but anyway, you can stay where you're at and you can pray. You can come down here and pray with one of the deacons. The other thing that you can do is that you might go and find somebody and pray with them where they're at. Break down into a little prayer prayer meeting kind of thing. The, the last thing on top of that is unity is key. So if there's somebody you're not quite unified with today, it's not shame on you. It's an opportunity for you to, to get that right. And so I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't know that anybody's mad at anybody else. But I'm just going to throw that out there because what I want to see in our church is unity to move forward. God's not done with Emmanuel. And so what we want to do is be ready. And that means that we're going to pray together, we're going to be unified, and we're going to trust that God is still at work in our midst. Let's stand. The splendor of the King Clothed in let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will
Father, we come together as a body of believers here at Emmanuel. Father, we pray that you would bring us together in unity, in one mind. Father, that our desire would be to see you glorified above all things. Our desire would to see people responding to the eternity-changing message of the gospel. Father, just work in each of our lives. Father, use us. Speak through us. May we come back together with the story of celebration of how we've seen you at work. Father, may we see you change our community, our state, our world, Lord. We want to pray for that great revival, that great awakening. Father, just pray that this morning, Lord, you would cleanse us of our sins. Father, that you would remove the barriers that stand in the way of us serving you, of placing our trust in you. In Jesus' name. So here's a couple things to, to announce. You're going to put the slide up there for the, the have you reads. These are the scriptures next week for Genesis 9 and 10, Ezekiel 5 and 6, Hebrews and Mark. want to do that. encourage you to do that, to read through there. 
Tonight, we've been doing, last week we started with the best news. We, it's a three-session class. And it will teach you, it'll teach you a lot of things. It'll, it'll, it'll give you the, the tools to share the gospel. If somebody, if, same, if somebody came and asked you, you could tell them what they needed to do to be saved. Now tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to do sessions two and three. We've got to do two and three because of Richard's schedule and because Mother's Day is next week. We want to do both of those tonight. Here's the caveat that I'll throw out to you. Richard's not here to tell me no. He's actually up baptizing his granddaughter. But if you'll show up early and you haven't been to session one, we'll play the video. The video's great. And it'll remind you some things that you need to understand. Jesus is the only way, and he... And he and he's going to put that in a way to help you understand why that's not just words, why that that's important. So I encourage you to, to, to be here tonight, be over in the other building on the, on the chapel side. You can park in that parking lot, walk flat in there, and we'll, we'll walk through those three. Uh, the other thing that I, church council following, and I think that's all I got, okay? So if I forgot something, I forgot it. You, you can find it, and we'll do all that. So... Enjoy this week. Allow God to use you this week. Thank you, guys.